Hello fellow wanderers. In this episode of the Beginner's Guide, I will share what was Feanor's fateful choice regarding the two trees? Where did Melkor escape to after killing the trees? What happened to Ungoliant? How was the unrest of the Noldor resolved? What is the oath of Feanor and what does that mean for the Silmarils? All this and more coming right up. Welcome. In the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast, we explore the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoyed J.R.R. Tolkien's books, or maybe just Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for the new Lord of the Rings TV series by Amazon Studios, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Mongo Vanyan, fellow wanderers. Today in Middle-earth, today's episode date is January 20th. In the year 3019 of the Third Age, the Fellowship has arrived at Caras Galadon and is resting in Lothlorien. Gandalf battles the Balrog that took him down in Moria. This is from Today in Middle-Earth History Calendar on the OneRing.net. Map check. It is the first age of Middle-Earth. Melkor and Ungoliant have killed the two trees of Valinor and escaped. The Noldor, a faction of the elves in Valinor, has grown restless. A portion of the light from the two trees remains in the Silmarils, yet Feanor, prince of the Noldor, keeps them locked away in his fortress at Formenos. If none of that makes sense, please listen to the previous episode of Beginner's Guide. Today I'll cover the first half of the chapter titled The Flight of the Noldor from a book called The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by Ballantine Books in 1977. We return to the recently darkened land of Valinor. Darkness now fills Valinor, where the beautiful silver light of Telperion and the golden light of Lorelin once grew and mingled. Manwe summons a great wind to push away the evil vapors, and the only light now is that of Elbreth's stars in the sky. The Valar, Maiar, and Elves gather around the hill upon which the two trees had once stood. Yavanna goes to the blackened remains of the trees. Each branch she touches breaks and is lifeless. She says to the Valar gathered, The light of the trees has passed away and lives only in the Silmarils of Feanor. She laments that the creation of the trees was so unique that she will never be able to make their likeness again. However, she can save the trees and bring them back to life if she had a little of the light that they once produced. Manwe asks Feanor if he will relinquish the Silmarils, so that Yvonne can rekindle the life of the trees. Feanor stands long in silence, much to the dismay of many of the Valar. In time he echoes the words of Yvonne, that the creation of the Silmarils could be accomplished only one time, and that if he were to break them, his heart would also break, and that he would be slain, the first of all the elves. Mandos corrects him, saying he would not be the first slain, but no one understands what he means. Feanor again considers the choice in silence. Now, let's leave Feanor's brooding silence for a moment and consider two themes that Tolkien has woven into his mythology. The first is sub-creation. Tolkien, as a devout believer in God, viewed humanity's attempts of creation as a sort of sub-creation of God the Creator, and this idea is woven throughout his works. Consider this line from the article called Sub-Creation on TolkienGateway.net. Sub-creation was used to describe the creative efforts of the Ainur, or Valar, Elves, dwarves, and the race of men, including hobbits. All of them are themselves creations by Eru Iluvatar. It is called sub-creation, because original creation is the province of Eru alone, and that which is made by those created by Eru is derivative of the works of the One. Thus we see that the Valar and the elves look at their creations as derivatives or emulations of Iluvatar, and were not easily given up or discarded. Tolkien also viewed myth-building as a form of sub-creation. I would also say the idea of sub-creation was one of the inspiring forces behind me creating this podcast, as it is a sub-creation of Tolkien's sub-created world. The second theme is choice. 
particularly the choice to sacrifice something dear to an individual for the betterment of others. Think of the choices that you see in the movies and books. A hobbit unexpectedly leaving home to help a company of dwarves reclaim their home. Another hobbit setting out to first save the Shire, then all of Middle-earth, although he does not know the way. An exiled king choosing to leave his life of obscurity to rise up and challenge the Lord of the Rings himself. Or the dangerous opposite. A prince of men refuses to cast a ring into Mount Doom. And we will see in future stories from the Silmarillion how the choices of some can have huge ramifications. Choice has appeared many times in these stories already. The choice of the Valar to come into the world and prepare it for Iluvatar's children. The choice of the elves to leave their homeland to dwell with and learn from the Valar. And now the choice before Feanor to break the Silmarils to give light back to the trees. While in the darkness it began to seem to Feanor that he was surrounded by enemies, and he remembered Melkor's deceitful words that the Silmarils were not safe from the Valar. He makes his choice. He will not relinquish the Silmarils. And if the Valar force him, that will confirm to him that the Valar are just as bad as Melkor. Soon messengers from Feanor's northern fortress arrived with terrible news. A great darkness had rushed to the fortress, and Melkor had come. Feanor's father Finway, who was king of the Noldor, stood alone at the gates. Melkor slew him, and thus, quote, spilled the first blood in the blessed realm. Melkor threw down the fortress, took all the wealth hoarded therein, and stole the Silmarils. Feanor, in great grief and anger, rises to his feet and curses Melkor, even giving him a new name, Morgoth, meaning the Black Foe of the World. The elves referred to Melkor as Morgoth forever after. And we will also do that in this podcast, just so, you know, we can make things a little more confusing. Feanor also ruse the summoning of Manwë to the feast, believing in his arrogance that if he had been at Formenos, he could have stopped Morgoth, and thus saved his father and his Silmarils. He flees into the night, but lest you be confused as to his grief, Tolkien has this to say, quote, His father was dearer to him than the light of Valinor or the peerless works of his hands, and who among sons, of elves or of men, have held their fathers of greater worth. While Feanor's choice and Yvonne's lament are happening, Morgoth, previously known as Melkor, and Ungoliant, the spider monster, flee from Formenos and Valinor and race northward. Here the land was wide but cold and filled with grinding ice. Thus they returned to Middle-earth in the far north. Morgoth attempts to outrun Ungoliant, but her darkness still shrouded him and he could not escape. Morgoth heads to the ruins of Angband, his old western outpost, once commanded by his lieutenant Sauron. Perceiving this, Ungoliant demands that Morgoth fulfill his promise, to give her anything she asks with both his hands. She demands the treasure they stole from Formenos. Morgoth begrudgingly extends his left hand, which holds the wealth, jewels, and gems, and she devours them. She grows bigger and darker, and yet she is not satisfied. She says, With one hand thou givest, with the left only, open thy right hand. In his right hand Morgoth held the Silmarils locked in a crystal chest, and though the purity and blessing of the Silmarils had burned his hand, yet he would not give them up to Ungoliant. He dismisses her, and says of the Silmarils, these things thou shalt not have, nor see, I name them unto myself forever. But Morgoth has underestimated his foe. Ungoliant has grown very powerful. She ties him with her webs and attempts to strangle him. But Morgoth cries out, a cry so terrible and great that the hills echo his cry of anguish forevermore. Yet his cry did not go unheard. Deep in the pits of Angband lurked still the Balrogs, waiting for their master to return. Hearing his cry, they swiftly come to Morgoth's aid. They cut Ungoliant's webs with their flaming whips. Ungoliant flees in fear, and of her fate, quote, no tale-tales, 
Yet some have said that she ended long ago, when in her uttermost famine she devoured herself at last. Being now free from Ungoliant, Morgoth reclaims and rebuilds Angband. Above the gates of his fortress, he raises three enormous peaks called Thangorodrim. In the deepest pits, he gathered demons and multiplied the orcs. For the Silmarils, he creates a great crown of iron and sets the great jewels in it. His hand was never free from the burning pain from having touched the Silmarils. Upon his dark throne, in the deeps of his fortress, he calls himself King of the World, governs his realm in hatred, and channels that hatred and evil into his servants. In the land of Valinor, after some time, Feanor suddenly appears to the Noldor in the city Tyrion, in rebellion against the Valar because his banishment had not yet been lifted. The Noldor gather to hear, and Feanor claims the kingship of the Noldor over his half-brother, and urges them to leave Valinor and return to Middle-earth. He stirs the hearts of the Noldor by reminding them of the land of their birth, sweet Quivienen, under the stars, and urges them to win realms by their own courage in the land of Middle-earth. He declares war on Morgoth, vowing to pursue him to the ends of the earth. He says, War shall he have, and hatred undying. But when we have conquered and have regained the Silmarils, then we and we alone shall be lords of the unsullied light. Then he and his seven sons swear a terrible oath, that they will pursue with hatred anyone, Valar, demon, elf, or man, who, quote, should hold or take or keep a Silmaril from their possession. Now, this oath of Feanor, while rash, is a key moment for Feanor and more especially his sons. This oath will cause much grief between Feanor's sons and others of the Noldor, elves and men. Feanor's half-brother, Fingolfin, speaks against this oath, and the argument becomes so heated that swords are very nearly unsheathed. Finarfin, Feanor's other half-brother, urges cool-headedness and consideration. In the midst of these arguments is Feanor's niece, Galadriel, quote, the only woman of the Noldor to stand that day tall and valiant among the contending princes. She did not swear any oath, but having been born in Valinor, she was inspired by Feanor's words, and she desired to rule a realm of her own in Middle-earth. The debate lasted long, yet Feanor won the hearts of the greater part of the Noldor. Fearing that more time would cool the hearts of the Noldor, he urges them to leave at once, and begins organizing them for the journey. But even as he tried to organize them, dissension arose once again, this time contending the kingship of Feanor, seeing as how the majority of the Noldor loved and held Fingolfin as king. In the end, the Noldor roughly split into two companies, with Feanor taking a smaller, more passionate host, and Fingolfin to take a larger host to follow behind. As they leave the gates of Tyrion to begin the march back to Middle-earth, a messenger from the Valar comes to Feanor and his host, urging them not to leave, warning that their road leads only to sorrow, and that the Valar will not help them. The messenger claims that Feanor and his sons alone are banished by virtue of their own oath. Feanor laughs at the messenger. Turning to his people, he asks if they will return to their so-called bondage. He claims that sorrow will be with them wherever they go, even in the Blessed Realm, did they experience it. He says, We have come through bliss to woe. The other now we will try, through sorrow to find joy, or freedom at the least. There's that Tolkienian theme again that we've mentioned a few times in previous episodes that through mourning or sorrow comes wisdom, growth, and yes, even joy. Feanor dismisses the messenger, saying that he will not sit idly in grief, remembering a past bliss, but will go forth to do mighty deeds, even to do, quote, such hurt to the foe of the Valar that even the mighty shall wonder to hear it. With those final words, he and his host depart from the elven city of Tyrion, leaving behind the bliss of Valinor, the counsels of the Valar, and the sorrow of loss. In the end, 
Though he could have saved the two trees, Feanor chose instead to keep the Silmarils intact. Melkor, now named Morgoth, has slain Feanor's father, stolen the Silmarils, fled back to Middle-earth, and established his ancient realm of evil once again. Feanor has urged the Noldor to leave Valinor and return to Middle-earth, and in the process has sworn an oath with his sons to pursue any who withholds a Silmaril from being reclaimed. The Noldor, while all generally agree with returning to Middle-earth, have differing opinions about why and how to do so. Even so, led by Feanor, they begin the march back to Middle-earth. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.